Good morning, DFW. This is the Dallas-Fort Worth Business Podcast. It is DFW's business podcast. I'm so excited that you're here this morning. I'm Aaron Spatz. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining. If there's things that you love about the show, there's things that you are just itching to hear more of, drop me a line, podcast at boldmedia.us. It really is a true pleasure, true delight to, to produce this for you. So we're going to jump right into it this morning. We've got another outstanding, amazing guest. And I'm excited to introduce and bring onto the show Roy Rucker Sr. Roy comes to us from, he has a, he has a long history uh, within the army, but beyond that though, he has, he is a, he is an entrepreneur at heart, been doing a ton of stuff uh, outside of, of the here in the Metroplex, but also nationwide. So Roy, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. Certainly, certainly. So, so take us a little bit about like you are, uh, so one, I'd, I always like to lead off with this question. So are you a DFW native? And if, if not, where are you originally from? No, I'm not a DFW native. I'm originally from a, a small town in Mississippi called Pantherburg. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And retired uh, here in Rockwall after 30 years of military service. Okay. Well, right on. Well, again, thank you for your service. I really, really appreciate that. And Rockwall, Rockwall is a really, really beautiful community. I love, um, you know, every once in a while we're I'm out that way. Absolutely gorgeous. And uh, you're, clo- you're close enough to the craziness, but you're far enough away to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to do your own thing, right? Absolutely. That's why we chose it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. So, Walk me through some of the stuff that you're that 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 you're up to. You seem like a guy who's got his hands in a lot of different things. So you've got Tracig, you've got Endorphin Factory, you've got other things that you're working on. So you know, give us a little bit of a tour of what you're doing. Absolutely. So uh, as you just mentioned, Tracig, Tracig LLC is the Rucker uh, Equity Consulting Investment Group. So it's a government services contracting company. Uh, which I started because I uh, did cybersecurity and IT for 30 years for for the Army. And um, so the best thing to do post-retirement was, well, actually, before I retired, I started the company. Okay. I utilized the skills that I had uh, that the you know Army helped me to get. Uh, and the other companies that I, that I either own or co-own, uh, you mentioned the Endorphin Factory. Well, the Endorphin Factory is a, uh, pretty much a brand new startup uh, that we got going back in January of last year. Uh, but uh, we went into official business in May of last year. And okay. what it is, it hosts two demolition rooms, uh, a number of axe throwing lanes and archery. And it's the only facility of its kind with those three events in the United States. So uh, I own it with my nephew, my military nephew. And, uh, you know, it's 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 kicking off there in Grand Prairie and, and business is starting to, to boom. Um, the other thing that I'm a co-owner of, uh, it's it's a restaurant called It's So Vegan. I'm a 20% owner. Um, and that's also in Grand Prairie. It's the only vegan restaurant in Grand Prairie uh, and one of the top tier vegan restaurants in the DFW area as voted by the people uh, in 2020. Um, I also sponsor my six-year-old's business portfolio. She is she is actually the, the owner or co-owner of the It's So Vegan brand and... Uh, the endorphin factory. So those two are hers. Wow. I own, uh, cause I work for her, <laughs> uh, but I also, um, own a military memorabilia company called the, the, uh, it's called Oum, the original warrant officer mafia badge, because I was, uh, you know, two warrant officers five. 
Um, so that company started in 2014, and most of the proceeds, if not all, go to giving back to uh, the Rucker Foundation, was which is a charitable nonprofit that that we started a while back to give scholarships and uh, nutritional guidelines and, and guidance uh, to my hometown, the, the two counties in my hometown. Um, and we just most recently had a Thanksgiving totes uh, celebration for that for that area where we fed a hundred and I think one hundred and twenty five families. Wow! Uh, and the plan this year is to feed both counties in its entirety. Oh man! For the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we have another startup that's about to kick off that actually belongs to my daughter again. Uh, it's, you know, part of her Riley Rucker investments portfolio and it's a vegan ice cream and cookie shop. Uh, and last but not least, I just recently kicked off, uh, Tardigrade Communications, which is an advanced, um, secure mobile, um, production manufacturing facility, uh, in Mississippi that should, um, really take off. Um, towards the end of the summer. And one of the primary things we'll be manufacturing is uh, one of the most secure cell phones in the world. Wow. And and of course, we have the the normal investment stock market portfolio with with a mix of commercial and and private real estate. So, and that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) That's you in a nutshell. That's a, uh, man, that, that is a lot. And so they're, so we're we're gonna unpack all that stuff. There's a there's a lot of stuff there. So, so one, and th- this is just fascinating to me. And this I feel like is just proof that you know, like the entrepreneurial bug has got has got has got to have been in there somewhere for a very long time. And you're finally just letting it out of the bag and just going going crazy. And so let's so let's first so like you you rattled off a lot of stuff there so like let's do it this this one at a time so starting starting with tracing so for folks that are not familiar with the government contracting process and what what all it takes to get to get you know obviously formed as a company that's a whole that's that's one thing but then going through the whole process of either going through the various certifications that you that you can do to get uh, special status for government contracts or you're just going in you know, plain Jane. And then you're, and then also you're maybe picking up contracts from other primes. So like you are the expert on that. I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend to know all that stuff, but what walk us through how, like, how did you go about that process? And, and two, like, where did you learn about all that stuff so that you could get yourself situated and positioned in a, in a spot where you could do business? So I'll start with answering that number two question first, because it's, okay. it's the quick, easy answer. So I learned about all this stuff through uh, watching, and I'm a voracious reader. So uh, anything that I have interest in and wanting to know, I read about it. I do my research. Uh, I'm an analyst by trade uh, and by nature. Um, and so digging into whatever I want to know and you know, picking out those finer nuances of whatever it is and holding on to those and utilizing them and building strategies towards it, uh, that's me. And that's how I uh, kind of fed my business book, which started, of course, like you mentioned or guessed, it, it started a long time ago uh, with my first first uh, uh, residential property purchase. Okay. Uh, I, my first purchase was uh, a tax repo property in Colleen, Texas, when I was stationed at Fort Hood. Um it was a property valued at $144,000 that I got at, at a tax auction 
for 3,700 bucks. Right. Held on to it, you know, did the uh, revamping of it, lived in it for a little bit uh, and it made some money off of it. <clears throat> so the book started then with real estate uh, and it continued and grew and grew. Uh, but as far as having the book towards large scale companies like I do now, uh, I gained more interest in that along the way, but the military sparked it. Uh, being in uniform as a chief technology officer uh, and the responsible ward officer for a four-star commanding general gave me purview and sight into a lot of programs, uh, billion, multi-billion dollar programs, uh, because I was responsible for an area that covers from uh, Alaska all the way down to New Zealand. And, and then the people that are, of course, in that area uh, that were warrant officers, I was responsible for every last one of them. As a matter of fact, 3,437, I think. Um, but the bug continued uh, as I watched how programs were vetted, developed, how the government truly worked, not just from a uniform perspective, but from a civilian perspective, because I had to deal with mostly civilians. Yep. Uh, and I saw how easy it was in a sense, because if you've been shot at or almost blown up in combat, uh, little things like stressing over paperwork or or should I say not stressing over paperwork comes easy. You know, you don't just do it. You don't stress about it. Just do it. And that was uh, those are a couple of things that drove the book. Um, and I figured out I'm a five to 10 year guy. So uh, I put something down and I know five years from now, I already have the format build build out to make it work year by year by year. And I follow those plans. And uh, being a guy that has the military decision-making process right in my head that helps you to in place um, risk mitigations and that type of stuff, uh, formatting a five to 10-year plan came easy. So I essentially used all the tools that the, that the Army uh, and the government helped build into my life. Um, so that's, that's the answer to number two. Yeah. Uh, Getting back to number one on, on how to form, how I formed the, uh, the government services contracting company. Uh, first, you start with your basic LLC. Sure. Right. right? Uh, and then you register for a cage code and a DUNS number uh, with the intent of doing a specific uh, job or, or selling a specific product to the U.S. government. Uh, so I went into SAMS um, and it's a system for awards management and it allows you to to uh, put all of your particulars, your certifications that you you get through the SBA, your service disabled veteran on small business, um, if you are you know uh, at the disabled category uh, where you can receive that certification, uh, economically disadvantaged on uh, small business, uh, which quite weird here in the state of Texas, a lot of that is done through the Department of Transportation. Okay. And which threw me for a loop, but research actually um, had me prepared in order, you know, to, in order to get that right for the, the first time up. So uh, the SBA, SAMS, uh, the local PTAC at UT Arlington that um, the SBA put me in contact with actually helped me to formalize all the things that I needed to do to prepare for um, getting TRACIG off the ground. Wow. And, and I got it off the ground in January of uh, 18th of 2018, which, I'm, you know, I just hit my three year mark uh, a couple of days ago. 
and I officially retired from the army in October of 2018, October 31st. Okay. So the company was up and running, but not doing official business because of the capacity that I was working with, with the government. I couldn't um, just go out and, and start trying to pursue government contracts because I was still in the government wearing uniform. Right. Well then, then, then take us through like, what was the, like, what was that like then getting your first government contract? What was that? What was that process? Uh, like, again, there, there's a lot of people that are intrigued by the government contract. Like we know there's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape that you got to cut through in terms of just get one, just getting to the starting line. Just like, just like you described, right. You're, you analyze the process. You did, you know, you did all the things right that you need to do to get yourself ready to go. But then like talk, you know, talk us through then how you actually you know, like what was that first contract award like for you? That's a great question. Well, my story is a tad bit different from what the you know from what the normal per- person's story w- would be. Sure. Uh, with me, I built a brand. I was a very very well known person in the military in the army. Uh, so I built a brand, and and I used to be a two hundred sixty pound two hundred sixty five pound two hundred fifty pound uh, natural bodybuilder for sixteen years. So I was known by the nickname Big Ruck, uh, and that permeated and carried over into the professional side of the military, where you know people knew Big Ruck, but they didn't know my first name. Uh, they knew Chief Rucker, but you know they didn't know my first name. Uh, so that carried over with the excellence and stuff that I achieved in uniform, and that brand was solidified and built over a number of years. So when I retired, it was too easy. And my phone was ringing off the hook saying, hey, we know you can do business now. We have this capability gap or we have uh, this sub sub work if you want it. If you want to be a subcontractor to get you started under me, um, here you go. So I didn't have to do the proverbial uh, negotiations sure. per se uh, or or writing out proposals to become a subcontractor under a prime uh, when I initially started. Uh, my first subcontract was a consulting. Well, my first prime contract was a consulting contract. Okay. Uh, and it was one of the companies that I had dealt with while I was in uniform. Uh, they called me up and said, hey, we our, our CEO needs some guidance on how to effectively get into the military. And we need some technical you know, insight uh, on how our product needs to be thoroughly developed to withstand the rigors of, of an or the inspections and everything else that it has to go to, to, to become a viable product for the U S government. And, uh, we pitched some really good numbers and, and went backwards and forth. <clears throat> and with me knowing how, knowing your value, not just as an individual, but as a, but as a company, uh, kind of set the stage for my pricing model. And, okay. uh, I presented that stuck with it. Uh, of course they signed on. And uh, that contract lasted for two years. And it was a very lucrative contract uh, because I had a mixture of um, monthly retainer for my company and uh, a share of of every contract that I helped them to win. I got a 5% share of that. So it was very lucrative. Uh, And the funny part is I no longer had the contract with that company, but I still received residuals from that that first contract. Holy cow. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's amazing. Well, that, I mean, you know, so you, you just hit, you hit on a great point. So I don't care where you are in your professional career. 
the things that things that you just talked about, Roy, was is is something worth noting, which was you'd built a network, you'd built a brand in, in, during your career. So it doesn't matter if you're in uniform or out of uniform. For for people that are listening, watching, it' important to remember and understand. Like it's you are continuing, like your reputation precedes you, oftentimes, right? So it, your brand is always being built. It's either a positive or a negative. Like it's it's it. it how are you pushing the needle? Like how how like how are you uh, affecting your your perceived you know your 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 perceived value from the viewpoint of someone else. And so what you were able to do, Roy, was you know, you had a you know, you get a lengthy career in the army, you had a great reputation, people knew they could count on you, you did quality work, you you were very, very well networked. And, and so people respected you, they liked you, they uh, there there's something about you that they you know they wanted to be around. And obviously you getting promoted helps as well, uh, certainly. And so like you have all these things working for you. So then by the time you're ready to turn, you know, turn the lights on and, and, and start and start taking orders and start doing business. It like, it was already there for you. It was just simply your network, people that you, that you already knew. And so I think for a lot of people when they, when they're starting businesses, I think it's important to remember, like who, who do you already know? Like chances are you already know there's already people in your circle that could, that could help guide you or that can help introduce you to somebody that could lend, that could lead to a deal of some sort. And so, yeah, really, I mean, it's, it, it's a phenomenal story. It's a phenomenal um, case study for those that are completely foreign to government contract work and how, you know, depending on your background and your skill set, and in your case, a ton of research, a ton of just reading, a ton of just understanding how it was, and boom, you know, you're you're walking into opportunity after opportunity. So we 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 might come back to that here in a bit, but I want to I want to shift gears to some of the other stuff that you're working on. So um, it, what really grabbed my attention was the uh, the endorphin factory. I'm just like, dude, this looks like a place that like everybody could just go just nuts at, and so. Walk, walk me through the the process that you went through to you know a just just creating that kind of business and then selecting the market for it. Okay, so that business has a little twist to it. Okay, so my military nephew and I use it. You know, he's not my blood nephew, but he's my military nephew because okay. I serve with his parents and I watch him be born and grow up and all that good stuff. Uh, and he's the same age as my twenty eight year old son. So to me, he's more of a son than a nephew. Gotcha. Uh, but he was in the he's a he's a he's a neural guy. Right. Uh, he played college football for, for Louisiana State and uh, he has a degree in, in the neural neurosciences. And um, he got some work in the uh, medicinal marijuana industry, uh, which moved him to several places. And he ended up in California uh, helping them to scale their business. <clears throat> and uh, he was I think he was a lead in quality assurance and control. And uh, I think he had a, a little burnout moment. Both he and his, his now fiance were together. And uh, he came up with this idea from having visited other places uh, that, you know, might have had just a demolition room or you go to another places just might have archery or this next place might have just axe throwing and some food or whatever. Uh, so he came up with this idea, this business plan, and he shot it to me uh, to see what I thought about it. And uh and if I wanted to partner and, and finance it. So we made a few tweaks here and there. Uh, I liked the idea. Uh, initially, I had no thought in going in that direction at all. 
Um, so, but I looked at the idea. I did some analysis of my own for the area, which is Grand Prairie, and the overall market. And it was a it was a success in my mind, though you know, like any business, it takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, and we went after it. And part of that process uh, that makes things a little bit more challenging for me, uh, I'm running other companies and I have to both not just assist, but ensure that uh, my nephew can develop his business brain and follow a certain track in order to be successful. So it, it involves both, you know, helping to run the business and being a, a primary mentor to him to guide him uh, around pitfalls and over pitfalls. So, uh, it's a, it's a really good business. We, uh, we have to stay within COVID guidelines so we can only operate at a certain percentage. Okay. Uh, daily sanitization. We're not open on Monday. So Mondays is a maintenance day, uh, and an inventory pickup and that type of stuff. But, um, staying within the COVID guidelines, we thought initially would be a challenge, but it's, it's not, uh, because it's an appointment based facility. You have to have the appointment. And the only time a walk-in will be accepted is if we can fit you in and still keep you socially distanced. Gotcha. And it's been pretty successful. I mean, the uh, the revenue stream has been climbing month after month. It's a predictable analysis uh, because, of course, again, I'm an analyst, you know, by nature and by trade. Uh, so discovering what your returns should be um, by month has been a very predictive science. And uh, things are looking looking up. I'm looking pretty good. We're actually, I'm actually looking at um, the next place to place the endorphin factory or the next few places okay. uh, and starting a franchise um, probably towards the end of the year or the first of next year. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's terrific. And so like you, you already started to answer one of my questions I was, was going to have for you. And so I think this is a great question that we can address when we come back from break. Uh, so after the break, what I wanted to ask you was if, if I read it right, like in, in, and if I remember what you said earlier on, you'd started this like literally right in the middle of the pandemic, it was May. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when, when we get back, I'd love, I'd love to hear more about what was that like? Like what was starting a business like in the middle of all these different restrictions and you're still dealing with them now, but we've kind of begun to get accustomed to them. But what was it like in the middle of all that? So we'll, we'll cover that here in just, in just one moment. So this the show is made possible by our amazing sponsors. And so I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly, incredibly grateful uh, for the companies that we are able to partner with that sponsor this, this show. It's, it, it, it's a phenomenal journey that's, that we're on and we're building something amazing here at the DFW business podcast. So I just want to shout out uh, to our show sponsor today, uh, RD Adair law. And so if you are, if you're a business, I mean, every business needs a good attorney on standby. Right. And so if your company needs solid legal help, I point you to Ryan uh, with, with RD Adair, he and his firm may handle various business related law matters. So whether it's disputes, whether it's litigations, whether you're getting your stuff off the ground, right? You're doing formations or maybe you're looking to buy, sell, whatever the, whatever the case may be doing any type of transactions and all the stuff in between, right? So they, you'd be very well served to reach out to him to see, to see how uh, he and his firm, how they can best assist you with your business needs. They're, they're located in South Lake, but they serve the entire Metroplex and uh, they do phenomenal work. I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful uh, for their sponsorship. So, Roy, you know, we, we were just talking just just a second ago. So you'd, you'd started the Endorphin Factory 
right in the middle of a pandemic. And so you're, you've now adapted to what I call the, the new crazy. And so we're, we're adapted to these different guidelines. You're, you know, you have predictive revenue, you increase month over month, but talk me through, man, what the heck was it like <laughs> getting this thing started in the middle of a crap storm? Well, uh, it was a stressful time. Um, because we, we thought we'd be able to kick off January. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, COVID hit and uh, I was flying back in from Hawaii and uh, my last trip and I got the notification that, hey, uh, businesses were going to be shutting down. And it was before we even got started. So shutting down before you before you get started is like, you know, wow, it's a gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> so. From the gut punch moment, you know, I went into reactive mode uh, and the reactive mode was, you know, you got to have fail safes. You got to have disaster recovery type of uh, inclusions in your plan so that uh, if something like COVID happens, you can carry yourself um, for however long. And having the, the fiscal means to to uh, have the doors closed, continue to build out, make the facility look great, uh, to make sure my my uh, nephew got paid so he could could have a living, or in my and his fiance that they got paid that they can um, afford to live because they left jobs to you know to come in this venture, and um, so having the monies in place to pay the pay the rent, uh, which wasn't deferred by the way, the the landlord could care less. Yeah, so 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 you guys are already locked into a deal. Locked into lease. Oh man. Locked yeah. into utilities. Locked into you name it. Uh, okay. and there was very little uh, advantage of of a break given. Uh, okay. It was still a new discovery. What this COVID thing is, and right, and how long is it going to last? Oh, it's just a flu. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but when the governor uh, came down with mandates, and then the local government came down with mandates. Uh, from from January to uh, the last two days in May, we were closed. Yeah, fully, you know, getting the the uh, facility more beautified, you know, building out the bar, building out lanes, and all this other stuff. Getting inventory stocked uh, in preparation for when the go time was. And uh, you know, back to pre- to the predictive analysis. You know, watching how the government parlayed. Uh, you know, their cause for, for getting things back in action. The Texas government was a little bit more aggressive, right? Uh, when Governor Abbott said, hey, you can open back up at 25%, but you have to have these mandates in place and yada, yada, yada. Well, we already had those in place. Okay. Uh, as a measure of, you know, being safe and keeping people safe. Uh, so the last two days of May, we, we kicked off. And it was uh, the... F- the first guests in the facility were uh, current business partners of mine. Uh, and they came in, had a great time. We did some advertisement based off of that and uh, got a little notoriety from that. And things started to scale up. So the last two days of May were, were pretty decent days. Uh, and June came and I was still supporting um, the continuous of the business out of my, 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 my own coffers, my own fiscal coffers. And um, which which is could be challenging sometimes, right? Sure. You're running other businesses, 
and you have to take care of, of this other business that you just invested into um, that you didn't plan to put so much into. Right. Sure. So we essentially did, you know, overall a hundred K jump over what, what should have been. And uh, so I went from there and every month, more and more people uh, started doing direct advertisements uh, around the local area nice. and started using those branding and, and, uh, and marketing measures that I, I know I'm very familiar with. And then my nephew was, because he's of the, uh, the new era of young men and women who think different and uh, using some of their social media savvy. And of course I have my own because I run a cybersecurity and IT company. Uh, right. And then certain, you're right. Certain movements that hit during the pandemic uh, and we utilize those to our advantage. And here we are today doing pretty decent numbers uh, in the midst of a continuing pandemic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. And I, and I know that there's, you know, and, and I want to be sensitive and I want to be respectful to others that have, that have really endured a very, very difficult time throughout, right. throughout the pandemic. Cause there's been some businesses that have, that have, you know, they've had to shut down, right. There's been companies that have really suffered, but there's been other companies that have absolutely just exploded with growth because of whatever their industry was. And so, you know, yours, yours is a bit of a, is, is, is kind of unique because you are dependent a hundred percent on people on, on foot traffic. And yeah. so if you can't have foot traffic, can't have people through the door, right. you know, the business isn't making any kind of money. And so you know, hear, hearing a little bit about how you, know, how you navigated those waters. And, and I mean, I'm just like, I cannot imagine what that felt like, man. Like, you know, you sign the lease, you get locked into all these different things and then bam, you know, everything is getting shut down and, and, uh, it's so, and just the shock of all that stuff. So, uh, right. yeah, kudos to you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're still standing, but not just standing, but you guys are doing really well. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about more about your growth and expansion plans and franchising. There's, you know, there's obviously a lot of opportunity there. And I, I just, I can't imagine the craziness that goes on where you've got like all these different activities inside of one roof. And so like for, um, for those that are, so I think people may be familiar with, with axe throwing, um, but people may not be as familiar with with demolition room. Um, so, like I'm like I'm familiar with it, but just share with share with the with the greater audience like what what that's like, like what that experience is like. So, as far as the demolition rooms, um, we have we have a robust inventory, and that inventory consists of stuff like uh, your flat screen TVs, laptops, computers. Uh, we have actually now for a big party, we have a split truck bed that we bring in. We have automobile doors. We have windshields. We have a uh, very thick tempered pane glass. We have uh, bone China dishware that sometimes people are afraid to break. Uh, we have, you name it, if it can be destroyed and it's glass or, or even metal ceramic or whatever, we have a host of it uh, for you to come in to relieve stress. And Part of that whole stress relief is the after effect, the after effect of the endorphins kicking in and you're leaving happier than what you did coming in because we watch every session uh, and we talk to people. And part of my military background is uh, being able to tell who you are and what you are and what you're thinking and what's primarily been on your mind without ever really talking to you much, but watching your demeanor. 
Um, and we use, we use a measure of that or a lot of that to, uh, to determine how someone is going to respond to a certain thing. Uh, so the rooms are set up real nicely um, and people are shocked when they walk through the doors for the first time. And they can hear whatever music they want to hear because, you know, we have a system that will allow uh, for whatever song uh, to be played. Wow. And they get in there, you know, you get your hard rock, you get your rap, you get whatever. And it's, you know, loud enough for, for them to tone out anything else outside of the room. And we watch as they go through their processes, you know, and the process starts with sometimes people are timid. Uh, they don't want to break the scene because they're, they're scared. Uh and that's expensive bone china. You, I don't want to break that. Yeah, like you, like like. <laughs> are, are you sure you're not going to like slip me a bill when I'm looking at the room or eighty five thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. So you know, sometimes we open the door and say, "Hey, it's yours. Break it. You pay for it. Break it." Uh, because what we want to see is, of course, the after effect. Uh, it's it's not about making money per se. You know, we have to make a certain amount of revenue to stay uh, functional. But it's more about the experience. Yeah, We don't call people customers. We call them clients because it's a client experience, which is way different than just being a customer. Sure, We care about our clients. And we get uh, referrals from counselors. Uh, we get for referrals from all kinds of professionals uh, sending their clients our way. Uh, and sometimes they even come with them. So you can see the uh, teenage release when they come in with stress about school, about the pandemic. Uh, we had two young ladies that came in last night who were very stressed out about ex-boyfriends. And uh, I will tell you, my my five minute, five to 10 minute talk with them beforehand and the stuff that they conveyed to me uh, showed me that I need to watch them for a little bit. Okay. And I did, and I watched them and, and uh, kind of, my nephew kind of guided them through uh, certain things in the room. I'm placing certain things in a room, the right thing, because people like that like glass. So he put additional glass and, and some extra dishes in a room. And uh, I watched him go through their phases uh, of just being angry at the boyfriend, shouting out the names and, you know, just going hard uh, for about 10, 15 minutes. And then when he hit that wall where it was no more boyfriends, no more name calling, uh, it was now let me have a little fun of my own. Let me get a little workout. And then as the, the uh, timer went off, uh, we let them stay in a little bit longer, right, to get a little bit more. When they come out, then you have to go through the after actions review, you know, the military AAR. Right. Um, and they started to talk more about, hey, what you said was going to happen, it happened. Uh, we're not thinking about those guys anymore. As a matter of fact, we're probably going to come back every week because this stuff is fun. <laughs> uh, and they're hyped up. and. The funny part is before uh, they left, they made a commitment to schedule for axoring an arch today. And uh, sure enough, I saw uh, them put in for it about two something this morning. You know, it popped up. Uh, so that's our demolition room. You know, it was named the destruction room, but we had to change that name because some guy in Virginia actually owned the rights to those words. And, uh, you know, our facility was outpacing his, and I think he took that personal. Yeah, so we had to stop using that name. <laughs> uh, wow. But that's demolition. Uh, it's one. It's one of the uh, most sought after events that we have in, in the building. Uh, Axe throwing is a 
is a close second. I, I think they're they're they jockey for first place quite often. Uh, okay. And then archery, archery is slowly catching up. Okay, man. Yeah, you know, like you you hit you hit on a lot of things there, and so I think it's I, I think it's interesting because you you actually addressed the question as I was you know at some point when we were talking about this because I was thinking like man. Like, I wonder if you were to get counselors to refer people there and then like you, you already answered the question that, that, that aptly happens. And so that's, it's, it's really fascinating. And so it's really, uh, that was really neat kind of getting a kind of experience that secondhand as you're describing it to me. So really, really cool. And, uh, I mean, once again, I'm excited to see where you expand just, you know, starting there in Grand Prairie, but then where else you end up going and obviously all the analysis that you got to do with that and, and selecting a good site and, and it's, you know, are, are you gonna be able to get the traffic and all that and all those things? But so let's, so let's like shift gears here real quick then. So like, let's, sure. let's talk about your, your uh, other venture. So um, you're, you talked about uh, it's so vegan. So tell me a little bit about your, your, your vegan background, vegan journey uh, when, when it comes to this. So my health transition uh, from a traditional eating lifestyle, you know, American eating lifestyle, plenty of beef and plenty of, uh, well, I stopped eating pork over 20 years ago, but plenty of beef uh, and other proteins, right? Uh, and just being a, a, a yum, yum, yum type guy. Uh, I, I was a professional bodybuilder, like I said, natural bodybuilder for 16 years. I think I mentioned that. Uh, yep. So eating high quantities of, of red meat uh, just consumed my life. Uh, had some accidents, some vehicle accidents, uh, rear-ended by a semi-truck at one point and, wow. and had to, you know, learn how to really balance my body and use my body the right way while I was still in the military. Both, uh, me and my wife were, were, were hit by a semi-truck. Um, so life changed. I had to stop, stop the competitive bodybuilding. Um, hey, just, just, just real quick out of that uh, accident. Was she okay too? She is. She's okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. We lived through it. Uh, okay. it was horrific, but we lived through it. Uh, yeah. And uh, we still still kind of have memories of it and, and uh, body wise. Uh, but I'll explain that a little bit more. OK. So uh, the trek from from that traditional American high red meat consumption lifestyle over to vegan uh, was was easy, actually. Um, I, you know, of course, doing analysis on what the vegan lifestyle was. I did two years as a vegan uh, when I was bodybuilding. So I stayed lean, ripped, ready to go compete all the time. Uh, the only problem is I stayed cold all the time. <laughs> Even in the summer, I stayed cold uh, because I was doing it wrong. Right. Uh, I was doing it wrong. And uh, so six years of, of, of testing and my final duty station in Hawaii, uh, we finally made a commitment to just just do it. Uh, I had, you know, PTSD, migraine headaches, plantar fasciitis, uh, arthritis from my neck all the way down to my toes and, you know, and, and these appendages as well. Um, and a myriad of other problems that I was dealing with. Uh, borderline high blood pressure, um, high cholesterol, those type of things. Though I looked healthy, you know, outwardly, inwardly I was suffering. And uh, so when I made the transition, I went in to you know get the checks done that you do uh, with the doctor, yeah. and the numbers started to change. And when I transitioned from the military, uh, it was I had even more of an opportunity to focus 
on meal prep and, and those things and adding the, the, the right natural supplementation to, to my eating habits and, uh, and getting it right. So now I don't have the migraine headaches anymore. Uh, I don't have to get up in the dark and, and go sit in an even darker place in order to calm down for 30 or you know, 40 minutes of meditation. Uh, I still meditate, but I don't have to do it to calm my, my, my migraines. Uh, the blood pressure is, is normal. Cholesterol, you know, I have the teenage level cholesterol. I'm, I'm just healthy. Uh, arthritis subsided, so I don't have to worry about limping around the house right now. Uh, even my plantar fasciitis, the, you know, the ligaments that support healthy um, arches in your feet, those are kind of came back to almost normal. So I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to wear the arch supports and all that stuff anymore. Uh, it's, it's just funny and unique how when you take your body back to what it was meant to be from yeah. a natural perspective, how your body responds and, and, and gives you back what you, what you, what you, what you should have anyway. Right. Uh, and growing up in small town, Mississippi, we did a, we did a lot of eating from, from the garden to the table. You know, it was a necessity. There was no uh, genetically modified anything. Uh, we didn't have to worry about the chemicals. We didn't have to worry about eating chicken that was pumped up on steroids that only existed before it hit your table for, for three weeks. Uh, we didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, so we went back to that. Uh, my wife and daughter are, are more pescatarians because they still eat some seafood. Okay. Uh, I found that with me, uh, seafood escalated my mucus production. Uh, the body's natural mu mucus production. And it took me into overdrive. And that's where I was experiencing the arthritic pains from. Uh, so when I stopped that and uh, put some, you know, extra B12 and, and, and vitamin D in my life out in the sun, things changed. So uh, that was the thing that, that got me started with my vegan lifestyle. And uh, as far as a vegan restaurant is concerned, uh, it's a vegan I was introduced to that uh, to that restaurant, to that business by my realtor. Okay. Uh, there was an opportunity. Well, I uh, I consulted to them for their first nine months of existence, uh, you know, free of charge because uh, you know I like to see businesses grow. And it was my realtor asking me to do it. Uh, so did it. He's a, he's a really good friend of mine, my Christian brother, and uh, yeah, we did it. Advised, and then January of last year there was an opportunity uh, to come in as an investor, a partner. Um, so I took advantage of the opportunity, came in as a partner, uh, was a big business director, a franchise director, uh, and the overall guiding force behind business. Uh, and it takes that, you know, you have to have somebody who, who thoroughly understands business in order for a business to succeed. Sure. Uh, and that business was caught with uh, with the pandemic, okay, and had to shut down for a month and a half. But through predictive analysis, and it's in Grand Prairie also, okay, through predictive analysis, uh, I was able to take advantage of again a certain movements uh, that allowed the business to, at one point, triple in revenue. Wow! Yeah, to triple in monthly revenue because we went from serving people inside of the restaurant uh, to bringing their food out to their vehicles. They could order, we bring it out. Um, everything, you know, is, is safe. You're gloved up, you're masked up. And uh, it gave people the, uh, you know, the confidence that they could go still go out and get food and, 
in a safe and serene environment and, and be okay. Uh, so that carried over into um, the end of last year with the restaurant uh, doing pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, it's a business that I'm probably going to transition out of soon. Uh, and there are some other things going on, so I won't get into that, but I'm probably going to be transitioning out of that soon. Uh, and looking at two other um, two other markets that I'm going to go into in uh, 2021. Man, so I mean, I mean, again, you're you're a you're a really busy guy. So you've got you've got a lot of a lot of different things going on. So like for those that are out there, they, you know, they're contemplating their entrepreneurial journey, and they're 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 on they're maybe towards the front end of their journey. What what are some things that you would advise people to to really? taken into consideration as they're launching their business or as they're just getting started? Say they're in, they've been in business for less than six months and they're just trying to continue to get, get things moving and get things off the ground. What, what are, what's, what's some words of wisdom? One word, one word of wisdom is pivot. Uh, Being able to pivot. uh, And that is, so when, if you have your, 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 uh, your risk mitigations already in place, uh, you, you see pitfalls that other other businesses in the sector that you're in that they go through. Uh, having a plan where you sit down and think out, think through that if this happens to me, this is what I need to do. And you take those proven measures that you you know researched or or read somewhere else that worked for this company, you put them into you know a modeling process to see if they work well, they will work well for you. And if they do, and you put those in your store, in your bank of uh, your memory bank, uh, and have those ready to be utilized just in case that happens, right? Uh, so, in that respect, being able to pivot—that's uh, advice number one. I would give you advice number two. I would give you that uh, in the arena that we're in now with COVID, is having a fiscal means to be able to stabilize and to stay at bare minimum uh, and wait it out for at least six to twelve months. Uh, if you're able to have got to save. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the good thing about, about me uh, being fiscally responsible for the number of years that I was in the military and investing in everything else, I haven't had to take a loan from, from, from anywhere, any bank to finance any venture that I, that I had, which is a good thing. You know, self-financing is great. Uh, Cause I wanted to get myself to a point where uh, I could be functional and operational and be able to get a line of credit later on. So that's one thing I would I would most definitely tell uh, any prospective business uh, startup or someone that's new into the startup about six months or so. Uh, make sure you're keeping your books right. Make sure you're not stealing from yourself. Uh, just do things the right way, because doing things the wrong way will come back to bite you. And I've seen it happen to you know to friends of mine, and and matter of fact, I've seen it happen to two partners of mine. Um, that doing things the wrong way could come back to, to really bite you in the end. Uh, so to any prospective person starting a business or have already started and you're in it in, in the middle of a pandemic, that's not over yet. Yeah. Uh, seek guidance from people that have been successful, right? Talk to people. Don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. Don't be afraid to go to your local government to see what kind of programs and grants or whatever that they might have in place. Uh, because your, your local uh, chamber of commerce, your local um, city planners, uh, they don't want to see businesses close. 
they don't want to see people struggling. Uh, so they can make you well aware of a lot of grants and, and other processes that are out there to help keep you afloat. So get out of the turtle shell and go out and visit. You know, call those people up. Uh, those are some of the things, Aaron, that I, that I would uh, suggest that people do. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's solid. And I think to your last point you know, about about mentors, I think I, I think that cannot be that cannot be overstated. It, it, I've, I've seen just I've seen what, you know, could take someone five years or 10 years to learn. I've seen that get boiled down to you know hours because they you know, because they have a mentor. They have somebody that that they admired or someone that, that has been down the road you know, gone you know, years in front of them. Maybe it's in the same, it doesn't have to be the same industry, but maybe it is, maybe it's the exact same thing that you're trying to do. And so like, you're able to, you're able to learn from people. And so there, there's like, there's one thing I've learned here and especially in the DFW area, but like the help is here, man. Like there is, if, if there is any lack of anything in your life as it relates to business, the resources are here. You just have to find them. You have to ask for it. People aren't just going to come knocking on your door saying, Hey, how can I help you today? Like, <laughs> I can't help you unless I know what the problem is, right? Like you gotta know what we're dealing with. And so, uh, I mean, and that, and then obviously everything else that you shared, I mean, I mean, I think it's solid. I think having the wherewithal to be able to pivot in the middle of a pandemic, it, one, it's not only, it not only is like just good business savvy, but two, it's like, it was very necessary for a lot of businesses. You know, like there's a ton of companies and I'm sure, and, and, and I'm sure you've seen this too, ton of companies that had never even considered curbside pickup or delivery or anything else like that. And then guess what? The ones that are continuing to, to, to run forward are the ones that adopted that early. And they, they're like, you know what? We're going to stay open. Like we've got to stay open. Like how do we make this happen? And so having this, I'm going to figure it out mentality and, and continue to drive on with that. And so um, that's just been some of my observations, but I, I, I love that. I love, I love your perspective. And I, you know, like the last thing I was going to ask you was like, so how do you manage, like, how do you discipline yourself in your time <laughs> across all of the different things that you got going on? Cause I, I imagine that in and of itself has got to be a challenge. Uh, yes. So um, that's a great question. Uh, and I have to take a deep breath <laughs> answer it because uh, sometimes it's rough, but I would tell you the thing that allows me to, to, to skip over the, you know, the ebb and flow is again, predictive analysis. You put things on the calendar and you stick to it. Uh, you hire people that can pick up some of the frustrations for you. Some of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the things that come along with business. If you can outsource it and you pay the person that you're outsourcing it to uh, and you're not really outsourcing it, you have that person in the house to pick up the slack. Uh, it, it helps because you have to trust people. Uh, in order for me to, uh, case in point, in order for me to assist the endorphin factory with, with, with growth uh, and mentoring my nephew to, to be the best CEO he can be, uh, I had to physically be there. You know, his, his fiance is now pregnant. She couldn't be in a facility uh, helping uh, because, you know, there's a fear of catching COVID and potentially losing not only her, but the baby as well. Uh, so you can't be in that space. So I had to do some internal hires 
uh, for some people to pick up some slack where I would normally be doing things. And uh, I do half of the day here at my home, my home office. And then the rest of the day, starting at, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock, I'm at the endorphin factory, earpiece in, laptop on, uh, doing work in between appointments and, you know, trying to close deals on my headphone. Uh, so uh, I wake up every morning with the intentions that I am going to do the repeatable processes over and over again because they work. Uh, the morning meditation, uh, the morning workout, because I'm just getting back into really good workouts, uh, the morning workouts and after the workouts, uh, you know, either a, a morning tea or a morning coffee uh, to spike me a little bit. And then I'm off to work with Tracek and monitoring the other stuff that I have going on, uh, you know, checking out orders for my military memorabilia company uh, and then checking out progress and preparations to talk with my CEO and other people, um, excuse me, my CIO and, and president uh, about things that, that are going to happen with Tracek and any other companies. Um, but prepping for that, uh, sticking to the, the appointments on the calendar. And if you're not on the calendar, I'm sorry, I got to get you somewhere else on the day, unless it's a complete emergency. Uh, so sticking with that, not jumping the gun, adding people where they shouldn't be added, adding time where it shouldn't be added, keeps me normal because I have to, I have a wife who did 27 years in the military. She's a reti- retired chief warrant officer for. She's here homeschooling our daughter because, you know, we don't want her in school. So she gave up her life uh, post-military to stay home and homeschool our daughter. So I have to make sure that I uh, I'm spending time, family time, valuable family time, because that's one of the reasons why I retired to spend right. more time. Um, so those are the things that that are you know critically important: time management and sticking to that time management schematic uh, at all costs, right? Because money sometimes, well, money is never worth your health, right? Uh, it's true. Losing that deal is not worth uh, losing a family, uh, so or your life. So sticking with that model, uh, which is slightly different than the military model sometimes, because the military was was priority number one. Uh, it was military over life, military over family at some points. And uh, try, kind of skipping that and allowing the brain to process something new and enjoying that newness of life. So uh, that's how I handle it. And, and it's not, not made up or anything like that. That's really how I handle it. Wow. No, that's. That's terrific. And I appreciate you sharing that with me. And, uh, and, and I'm like, we're already running out of time. Cause I was, I was wanting to cover a whole bunch of cybersecurity stuff. We'll have to, we'll have to do a part two, I think is what is, okay. is, is, is what's going to happen. We'll have to, we'll have to set that up. But, um, but no, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you here. I, I just want to like, just want to thank you for being a part of the show, but you know, how can, how can people get in touch with you? Like what's, what's the best way to follow what is it that you're up to? Well, I'm on all social media. And, uh, of course, uh, Facebook, I'm Roy Big Ruck Rucker Sr. Uh, Tracek LLC is also on Facebook. Tracek LLC is on Twitter and, and Instagram. And, uh, of course, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Roy Rucker Sr. Uh, so easy to follow. Uh, but Tracek will lead you to my other companies. Uh, the Endorphin Factory is on Instagram and on Facebook, Endorphin Factory USA, or Endorphin Factory Headquarters USA was hacked by, you know, insider, former employee, and we had to change up some things. Um, but Endorphin Factory USA is out there. Um, shout out to It's O'Vegan. It's O'Vegan is out there. Um, and Tardigrade Communications, 
is still about to kick off. Riley Rucker Investments is inwardly held, so it's not broadcasted. She just has an, uh, an elite portfolio that, that I manage that she's probably going to take advantage of when she's 13. So everything is out there. Uh, just Google. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And my email and uh, Roy.Rucker at, at Tracek.com. Uh, is the easiest way to get in touch with me for anything else. And oh, by the way, I'm looking for some potential partners um, to scale out the endorphin factory here in the next six, seven, eight months. So outstanding. Outstanding. Well, it sounds like there's a lot, lot, lot of opportunities there. And so for those watching and listening, then it, you've got, you, you, de- you definitely have some serious things to to consider. And, and again, Roy, I just, I just want to thank you. It's been, it's been a sincere pleasure. It's been, been a lot of fun thank you Aaron. it's it's been my pleasure meeting you man and, and uh i enjoy what you're doing absolutely 